Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Wednesday. It's October the 18th, and we are rocking and rolling with a question. What happened to John Spartan? You guys remember the 90s? Some of you do. Some of you were old people in the 90s. But uh, I remember being a kid in the 90s, and it was the generation of action movies. It was a generation where we watched you know, masculine, manly men doing ridiculous things like shooting people with a shotgun and having them fly across the screen. Uh, why was that? And how do we lose that? Because we are now in an era that is just full of betas and soys and all kinds of other diminutive terms. And these people are responsible for real damage. They really are. And the movement that way has been long coming, but it also, the toleration of it, has actually moved us into a really dangerous place, I think. I think that our country is far worse off. And it's, you know, it's an old adage that uh, that good times have made soft men. And we had good times. We had them in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, uh, the early 2000s. And we started getting into something we thought was going to get harder. But no, that is not the case. We actually got softer and weaker. And I recall seeing even in college campuses when I was a kid uh, going through school. Just a strange, strange trend towards non-masculine traits in men being celebrated. And now we've arrived at sort of that peak version of it with toxic masculinity. So today we're going to be talking toxic masculinity. We're going to be talking about how our government is overrun with that sort of toxic weakness. It's the opposite of toxic masculinity. And I'm going to be bringing on my friend who would otherwise be lurking in the chat and giving you his two cents. We're going to be bringing on Garrett O'Boyle in just a second. But before we get started, uh, we can say, I guess my mom is hanging out in the chat today. So morning, mom. How's it going? And uh, let's get started by uh, saying thanks to our sponsors. We got Patriot Coolers up here. You guys know Patriot Coolers. You guys know who I'm talking about. Patriot Coolers. You can go to Patriot Coolers with an S on the end of it.com. PatriotCoolers.com. Use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, gets you 10% off. Look at all these outstanding things they've got. They're actually about to send me, uh, I just ordered up a, a new a new hard-sided large cooler for the back of my minivan. Because we travel down to Costco and I hate things getting, getting uh, thawed out. There's nothing worse than your smoothie vegetables or your smoothie... Um, fruits thawing and then becoming a solid chunk of ice. So if you're not using this in your shopping, it's an everyday tool, but also you can use it as an outdoor tool. Uh, check out any of their stuff. You can look at their tumblers, which we use in our house. I've been using them since I was on surveillance in, I think, 2017. It goes a long ways back, me and Patriot Cooler. So check out patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle. They are good friends of our show, and they've been supporting us since the beginning. They really have. So we appreciate that. They were the first people to take a gamble on it. Check them out. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the man... The myth, somewhat legendary, the Suspendables Dothraki. Let's bring him on, Garrett O'Boyle. What's up, bud? How's it going? Good morning. Look at this. You're sporting some cool merch. Oh, New yeah. Shirt. We could have Ryan flip your camera and do a, a, a horizontal flip so people can read it because I think they're going to like that. I'm looking at you through the teleprompter, and I can read it, but I know that means it's backwards in real life. Uh, you're sporting some of our merch, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, today, I want to talk a little bit about masculinity. Yeah, there it is. Look at it. Boom. <laughs> Folks are going to be like, wait a minute. I can't order that. Is that going to be coming up on the uh, on the store so soon? I had this one up there. It's the one with the, uh, as I've dubbed it, the Suspendleton, the uh, you know Hamilton redugs that I did with the M4 oh, and the yeah, nods. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. But uh, it wasn't, I'd only sold like two, so I pulled it. But maybe I'll put it back up there at some point. 
All right. Well, people, if you like what you're seeing on the screen, if you're sitting in our live chat right now, give me like a thumbs up that you want to see this thing on the merch store and we'll throw it up there. Um, somebody just said you have a great beard. Garrett, is it true that with great beard comes great responsibility? It is indeed true. It, it, it's a fact. You know, in the Old Testament, I forget where Leviticus or Deuteronomy or somewhere, it says don't trim the hairs of your beard or something to that effect. And that always uh, struck me as odd. But, you know, the Levitical law, it'll it'll do that to you sometimes. <laughs> How did I know you were going to bring it back to an Old Testament reference? <laughs> Guys, I got to tell you, all day long, Garrett quotes scripture to me and the other suspendables to keep us grounded. You know, we, we have these sort of um, fantasy, um, like locked in, these locked in focuses on faith, family, and freedom. And Garrett is always banging the faith drum. If we were going to just give him one drum of the three, it would always be that, 100%. It would be that. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some some topics that are going on today, but we're going to go on. Today's show is uh, what happened to the Demolition Man. Do you remember that movie? Did you watch that? Oh, or, or am I, I going to be? We're going to no. be refreshing your memory a little bit, folks. Yeah. Um, maybe not the best movie that was ever made. It was certainly a movie that uh, was the end of the career for the director. You guys may not know this, but he directed one and one movie only. And it was Demolition Man. They never gave him another shot at it. But Demolition Man was actually an adaptation of uh, Huxley's Brave New World. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. And that's why that story rings so true for most people. Because a lot of us have looked at today's uh, sort of events that are going on. We, we've, uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday that Orwell would have had a, a field day with what's going on with Trump's trial, right? He certainly would have. And Brave New World is the other one that is constantly put out there. People consider Orwell and... Uh, and Huxley kind of like these pieces um, have have predicted this. I mean, we we actually had all these warnings going on, including some of our fears about AI. These things were were uh, discussed in, in things like the Terminator. Like a lot of the the, <laughs> the '90s action movies were far more prophetic than they should have been. And uh, and I also think there's something to be said. It's worth noting that uh, Red Dawn has recently come back into focus for people. I think because if you think about Red Dawn, how many of us saw those guys, the the paratroopers coming in from Hamas? And yeah. we're thinking, where are the Wolverines, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> it was in the chat. Mitch's Glock uh, is always in my head. Uh, we need a suspendables tinfoil hat, if possible, to be able to block my thoughts so that people are not picking up what we're going to talk about. Um, I want to pull this up because, folks, I do want to update you at least on the fact that um, no one for speaker. No, Do you have do you have tinfoil on your head, Ryan? Is that what that was? Oh, yeah. It's the lamb's hat. So this it's is the RE, REF protected, whatever. It's got the silver inner lining on them. No joke. Sixty dollars well, a hat. The the silver is supposed to keep bacteria away. I don't think it's supposed to keep uh, your thoughts blocked. Is that the Alex Jones edition? What's going on there? It, is. it sure is. Okay, I love it. That's fine. I think we should all try to block our thoughts. And plus, you don't want to have the uh, the five G activated in your bloodstream, right? I know that's a big concern. That's it. That's the key. All right. Uh, the chat's already going nuts. I appreciate this, guys. We've had people uh, already appreciate the Old Testament reference, and Eric Jason's out there reminding you guys to smash the like button. If you're just joining us, please hit the like. We've got Garrett O'Boyle, FBI whistleblower, and uh, former infantryman from the Army. He was a local police officer in Washington. I'm sorry, in uh, Wisconsin, and one of my favorite people to work with. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the masculinity that we, we how we knew we were the same tribe, because uh, we're going to talk about that drive that you and I did from New Mexico after we got surveilled by the federal uh -huh. air marshals. Um, I want to bring up this no one for speaker. Bring up topic one, if you would, real quick, Ryan, because this is worth noting. Uh, we got no real love for Jim Jordan. Everyone is out there complaining. I saw this on Twitter spaces. They're like, how dare these Republicans? You know, they're failing to back Jim Jordan. I'm going to get your take on it in one second here, uh, Garrett. But first, I want to read through. Just said the U.S. Uh, House paused over the night. This is coming from NPR's reporting. 
This was last night. Uh, they they had another attempt to elect the speaker. It obviously failed. We're now the suspendables hashtag no one for speaker is actually winning. That is actually who's the speaker of the house. No one, which is great. Uh, the U.S. paused to collect itself. Sorry, the U.S. House paused to uh, do another round of voting. The Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio, failed to win again. Interestingly enough, he got 200 votes and uh, 212 votes went to his opponent, Hakeem Jeffries. Everyone keeps acting like this would be the worst thing in the world. Honestly, even though they would pass a bunch of horrible stuff, I think it would be somewhat hilarious to just let the, the, the Democrats run our country into the ground for like another 18 months as we run up into the election. Like nothing could be worse than giving them what they want. Uh, that would be the worst thing for them. Uh, every member of the House who was president in Washington was called uh, into the chamber ahead of the vote. There was standing ovations and cheers and jeers. Uh, we had some suspendables chat about how kind of gross it is that uh, when Jordan voted for himself for speaker, he got a standing ovation. Apparently, that's what uh, passes for heroism in this weak sort of frail culture that we live in. Uh, and there were people who were objected to Jim Jordan's record, saying they feared he could alienate voters and swing. In other words, Jim Jordan is too conservative. I'm going to bring uh, Garrett back up here. Garrett. Is Jim Jordan too conservative? Has he done too much for the conservative cause so far in your eyes? I just want to give you the floor. Uh, aside from sending numerous letters to government officials and beating the drum on conservatism, I don't really know what he's actually done. So, and especially as far as whistleblowers go, I mean, he liked to talk a big game about, you know, think about before the last election. Oh, we got all these whistleblowers coming forward. And we know he did because we were some of them and there were more and there are others that we know of that aren't out there. And, you know, he said, yeah, you know, we're, or his office, cause we didn't talk to him. I, you know, I don't, I can't speak for Steve, but for me, I never talked to him until the day I showed up to testify. That was the first time I actually spoke with somebody outside of his staff or other than his staff, or, you know what I mean? I spoke with him and not his staff. And, um, you know, maybe that's part of the problem because, I don't think he actually cares. You know, maybe he does have conservative values, and um, I, I think he probably does. But what is he actually doing? You know, I, and it's frustrating. And and sure, I'm uniquely um, positioned to have a very strong uh, outlook on this because of what has transpired. Because you you know you think okay, I'm going to go to Congress. I'm going to whistleblow and. Uh, everything's going to be fine because I'm legally protected to do that. And then you get assurances for months and months and months and months. In my case, it was nearly a year. Like, yeah, everything's fine. We'll take care of you. And then when the FBI drops the proverbial hammer on your life, um, they just say, well, I can't believe that happened. And let's stay in touch and uh, we'll figure out what to do next. And then you get no help for months and months. And then, you finally get called to come and testify and you do, you go and do that. And then you get uh, criminal charges referred on you for, for doing such a thing. And it's like, uh, Hey, Jim or anybody else, when are you going to actually step up, protect whistleblowers, actually do something regarding the values you claim you have. And I know lots of people say, well, they don't have a ton of power. Okay. Well, they, they have the house. So do something with the power you do have. And they're doing, very little, if not nothing, other than arguing over who's going to be speaker, who's not going to be speaker. Let's have a vote. Oh, my gosh, the Republican Party is going to burn to the ground because we don't have a speaker and we all need to get behind someone. And you have someone like Kevin McCarthy, who, of course, goes back on his word. And then 
the big push for Steve Scalise. And it's like, well, he's just another Kevin McCarthy. And now it's Jim Jordan. And, oh, he doesn't have the votes. And, oh, the world's going to burn. Well, for some of us, the world has already burned. It, it's It's been taken from out from under us. And we are the ones left up left to figure out to how to put the pieces back together and doing things. You know, you mentioned yesterday, I think not that we're trained for you. You started a podcast. Steve wrote a book. I'm selling t-shirts and hats, which, you know, it's not lucrative by any means. We appreciate the support and we're going to continue to push it out there and spread the word, but we were FBI agents and I think we were damn good ones and call that, you know, prideful all you want, but having worked with, a number of people in the FBI, what, you know, you don't want people like us who actually stand for values, who stand uh, for the oath we took. And then we're going to, you know, point the camera back at Jim Jordan and, and Congress and say, oh my gosh, we need them. No, we don't. No man is going to save us. No politician, especially, is going to save us. And, you know, it's up to us to figure out. And, Honestly, yeah, uh, no one for speaker. <laughs> I got two things. First of all, the chat is going there. There's probably a percentage of people in our chat that are listening and a percentage of our listeners that are saying, look, guys, you missed the mark. Jim Jordan's the best bet. I'm not saying he's not the best bet at some point in time. I'm just saying, let's let this thing play out for as long as humanly possible. Let's run out the clock on this, the continuing resolution and have no federal government funding because I want you to see what happens when there is no federal government. When there is no federal government money and nothing is going on, you will not notice a difference in your personal life. That's what I'd like Americans to see. Everybody yeah. thinks that it makes such a big difference and it doesn't. Uh, two questions. Number one, since you testified, you had a criminal referral that was put out by the House Democrats that were trying to smear you. I bet a lot of people don't know about that. Will you share that? Yeah, I bet a lot of people don't. And it, it, that's a shame, too, because, you know, I think about that every day. Um once I make it to 6.01 a.m., I think, okay, today's not the day. But, uh, yeah, I was referred. Why, why is it? Why 6.01? Tell people again so they understand. Uh, that, because that's when the FBI will come for you, and I'm sure they will make as much of a show out of it as they can because, oh, he was former FBI. Oh, he was former FBI SWAT, and he is an infantry veteran. He must be crazy. Oh, and he was a cop. Oh, my gosh, near peer. He was a near peer. Ah. And... <laughs> <laughs> and you know they'll probably send hrt you know for all i know and it's like dudes just if you want to go down that route road which i'm sure they do just call me and i'll i'll turn up at the milwaukee field office and there will be no problem right but uh but the criminal referral came from what yeah so that came from our our dear friend reti uh, retired and now lucrative gig over at ge jen moore uh she had a deposition similar to the one I did in uh, February. Hers was in June, June 2nd. And uh, they based their criminal referral off of some of her answers in their deposition. And then she, you know, strangely, in my opinion, she retired the very next day. And then fast forward about five or six days later on June 8th is when the referral was sent uh, over to DOJ. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of got buried. There was at least one, I think it was ABC News, uh, who got it. or I'm, There were probably others out there. But, um, you know, I, I would say based off of her testimony, you know, because they referred me for perjury and obstruction, 
uh, I'm, I'm thinking she perjured herself based off of the things she was saying in there. And I, I, I kind of want to get into the details, but I don't know all the ones that were leaked. So I, I should have probably looked into well, that. I've, a little I've bit. read a little bit of it so I can tell people, uh, let me just throw this out. Jen Moore in her testimony under oath stated emphatically that the FBI security division positively adjudicated you as the source of leaks to media. And therefore, your claim that you had not spoken publicly until you actually testified in front of Congress was false. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we know that's false. Yeah. yeah. Because and we've I, seen the affidavit from the person that actually did that, that media engagement. So for all you that are watching us from the FBI security division that may or may not be investigating Garrett O'Boyle for his perjury charges because Jen Moore, a useless drunk who used to work for the FBI and now is like the chief security at one of our big uh, military contractors, that lady was wrong. And we know, we know she was because yeah, we've seen, we've seen from the person that actually did the thing that they claim Garrett did, but members of Congress, Democrat members of Congress have referred to the DOJ. And we know that they only take Democrat uh, talking points, right? They're going to go after parents at school board meetings and they'll go after Garrett O'Boyle. Those people made a referral saying that Garrett lied under oath when he testified in front of the weaponization committee, which many of you guys saw some of you streamed live with us. Go ahead and uh, respect, respond to that. But that's what, that's what was said. Yeah, you know, it, it's especially rich coming from her and her ilk at the FBI because um, she was sending emails with, um, uh, what do we call it, uh, classified adjacent material in it. And her security clearance is still intact, just like the 51 intelligence community officials who, you know, signed on to the lying letter about the Hunter Biden laptop. All the, you know, it's such an arbitrary um use of the system, which, as you know, I'm fond of the definition of tyranny is an arbitrary or despotic abuse of authority. And if, if this isn't what's happening, then I don't know what is because she gets to retire, go on to her lucrative gig at GE. I'm sure her security clearance is still intact and, you know, gets to live out her life and her days. And, you know, I, I know at the end of days, judgment will come for her as it will for for all of us. And, you know, honestly, I, hopefully she she'll turn her life around and give her soul over to, to Christ. But I don't see that happening with these people. They're too filled with hubris and, you know, eventually they, they're going to meet their maker and they're going to atone for, for all of this. So whether, whether we get earthly justice or not, you know, I won't hold my breath, but uh, I guess furthermore with, yeah, those charges and, and, and all of that, it's like, it's like, man, this is what happens in America, the land of the free even government officials like we were can't use their first amendment right to go and speak to Congress to say, Hey, I think some of the stuff that the government is doing is wrong. And then when you do that, they're going to accuse, this is a, what I don't, I don't think I've told you about this yet, but I was thinking about my initial interview from the day I got suspended. And I think what they were doing is trying to smoke me out, like smoke out some of the things that I was whistleblowing to Congress because Two of the things they claimed that I leaked to the media were two things that I whistle blew to Congress. And so right off the bat, early on, they knew at least two of the things I whistle blew because at that point I was like, all right, the jig is up. And I told them, well, I've been I've been whistleblowing to Congress. I didn't go to the media. Right. And I said, and those those things that you claim I leaked to the media are things I took to Congress. So I I don't know why you think that was me, but I was taking them directly to Congress. And now, I want to so, add one more thing. The Democrats in the Weaponization Committee referred you for criminal prosecution to DOJ. 
which is news to many people that are listening to this right now, but it's been old news for you and I, and we've right. we've labored under this you know concern for quite a while. Tell me about the contact Jim Jordan made specifically, how he reached out to you and told you it was going to be okay and that he was going to censure his colleagues or he was going to get them to repeal that. Talk about how Jim Jordan fixed that for you. <laughs> so uh, I guess to the Jim Jordan fans out there, he sent a letter, him and Daryl Issa and Mike Johnson all signed off on a letter um, right shortly after I got suspended and they sent that and it did nothing for me, nothing of substance, you know, and I hear all the time, well, they're doing their best. Are they? I don't know. I mean, I'm not convinced they are. You think and that they would uh, step up if the FBI came through your door? Would they do no. anything for you? No, I no. Why would they? Exactly. What, what do they have to gain but for by doing that? Yeah, it's the same then, reason why they haven't stepped out and, and you don't see Jim Jordan sitting out on Freedom Corner outside of the gulag in D.C., because yeah. they've pulled it and they've decided that J6 is a loser. By the way, exactly. the reason why I haven't gotten a call from Jim Jordan per people who were close to him that talked to people that were close to people I knew, I got it third hand was that I was too politically hot. So for those of you who like listening to our show and you think what I'm saying is too politically hot for Republicans, just consider that it's too spicy for them to take a bite of. They only want mayonnaise on their taco. They don't like the Conte <laughs> sauce. All right. Pace or otherwise. Um, let me let me. Uh, do a quick thank you here. I want to actually let's bring up somebody else that was attacked by the uh, the deep state. I, I, we've been kind of like playing a couple of different interesting promos. Uh, Ryan, you give me the full screen. Here it is. There it is. Uh, you guys can actually use my promo code. I'm not saying go out and buy anything from there, but if you happen to be interested in buying it anyway, and I keep finding out that so many of you guys um, are interested in going to mypillow.com, you can use promo code Kyle or you can do mypillow.com slash Kyle and you'll see all the uh, the discounts they have in like a long form. It looks like one of those newspaper advertisements. It's actually a really easy site. So you're seeing what it looks like from RN. You get all the kind of click throughs. If you like the uh, the pillows, if you're interested in the towels, if you're interested in the uh, slippers like Ryan or my buddies, I keep talking to people on the phone. They'll be like, oh, I'm wearing the uh, our, our producer. Phil actually wears the slippers all the time, too. So you guys love these products. I don't have a ton of them, but uh, they're really, really nice to us. And uh, I've, I found that Mike Lindell is actually incredibly funny. He says funny things like, I'm just a regular recovering crackhead, so what do I know? Things like that on conference calls. Uh, he seems like a good dude, and uh, if you want to support him, you know that he was attacked by the FBI as well. He had his phone seized, and he, they uh, they cornered him at an Arby's, which may have been the safest thing to do, but they probably could have just called him up and he would have turned it in. So Mike Lindell, also a victim of FBI weaponization, just like Garrett is today. Um, kind of a good kind of pivot from that. Garrett, I don't want to run out of the uh, the fun clips I have because I've got a bunch of stuff. I want to talk about John Spartan, but I want people to have a sense of why I think no one for speaker is fine, that we just sit here and take a deep breath and pause and let it play out for a little bit because none of you are being hurt by the fact the federal government is doing what it's doing. And it won't be for a while, right? I mean, it's just not going to affect you guys. So let's, uh, Let's kind of go, first of all, I want to know how we got here. I've got video number one. I'm going to shoot to reflect on it in a second here. This is Yuri Bezmenov. Many of you guys know this is a uh, KGB defector. He kind of telegraphed this stuff from this 80s videos. He was doing lecture series trying to teach Americans what it is that was happening to our society. It's already happened. We've, we've already sort of like lost that thread. That being said, it's still worth hearing it in his own words every once in a while. So we're going to play video number one, and then we'll kind of move forward. I want to show you the soft men that have taken over and are running things and what it's resulted in. So let's do video one. It takes from, um, say, 15 to 20 years to demoralize a society. Why, why 15 or 20 years? This is the time sufficient to educate one generation 
of students or children. One generation, one lifetime span of a person, a human being, which is dedicated to study, to shaping up the outlook, ideology, personality. No more, no less. Usually it takes from 15 to 20 years. What it includes? It includes influencing or by various methods, infiltration, uh, propaganda methods, direct contacts, doesn't really matter. I will describe them later. <laughs> of various areas where public opinion is formulated or shaped, religion, educational system, social life, administration, law enforcement system, military, of course, and labor and employer relations, economy, okay? Five areas. Uh, I will not write them down because we'll not have enough space. So there they are. Those are the five areas. We know that uh, that uh, the economy is captured right now, that labor unions are fighting against probably the interest of many of the people that work in their labor unions. They're pushing diversity, equity, and inclusion instead of meritocracy and capabilities. We know that the education system has been captured, where you have these blue-haired loonies that are trying to teach your kids that their genitals are not useful and they should cut them off, which is bizarre and strange. But they are trying to convert these people, right? We've seen law enforcement particularly in the, in the form of federal law enforcement, has been captured, which is really scary and sad for those of us that worked in it and thought we were signing up. The military has gone woke in many ways. It is less capable as a, as a, a fighting force. So all of that is, is relevant. And uh, the media pushing out their values. And all that stuff is funny because he says 15 to 20 years. He's talking about a time frame. I think, Garrett, you're what, 36, 37? 37. You're 37. You're probably at the end of the, the tail end of that generation that grew up seeing the same sort of films and movies and we'll call it propaganda towards toxic masculinity. Did you ever watch Conan the Barbarian? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. You got that. Uh, let's see. Uh, topic five, Ryan, throw that up there. This is what we grew up seeing as a man, a dude with a sword, with no shirt, with rippling biceps and a, you know chiseled physique and long hair. Garrett's got the long hair. We're a little bit more dad bod than that, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> would you swing a sword like a, like a barbarian and take out people trying to touch your kids? Yes. A hundred percent, right? Yeah. Two hands or one hand doesn't matter. You know, I mean, this is what we exist for, you know, and it's so, it's so strange that, that we have lost that thread. Like that, what is a man if they cannot, Lay down their life. Okay, again, of course I have to. Please. The Bible says, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That is a, that's an extension for not just your wife, but your family, your kids. So if someone breaks into your house, if, or not even that, we don't even need to go that far. We can look at a lot of these school board meetings of late where people are reading, like our friend, Steve Friend, recently read at a, at a school board meeting from one of these books. We have to fight tooth and nail to defend our families, our children, our spouses. And there aren't many men left who are willing to do that. You know, like the whole so soy boy thing is a joke and a hashtag and a meme, but it's for real. Like men have been demasculated to, to not be able to even think that it is appropriate or right to defend themselves and others and their families. And it's like, there couldn't be anything more biblically sound than, to be willing to not only lay down your life if it gets that far or to take somebody else's life if it gets that far to defend the life of another especially your family and you know i don't i haven't done it in a long time but i used to do an arnold um 
Conan the Barbarian, but uh, you know, they at one point in the movie they say, Conan, what is good in life? And he says, What is best in life? To see them driven before you and to hear the lamentations of the women. Hear the lamentation of the women. Hear the lamentation of the women. Look, like this was yelled at me while I was on a a, a training bus when I was at, uh, where were we at? I was in Mississippi. So Biloxi, Mississippi, what's the base? I'll think of it in a second. Um, We're we're doing training. We're going to a dive training where we're all going to get drown proofed and get the crap beat out of us. I'm wearing like UDTs. Those are little tiny shorts that you go dive in if you're in the 1950s or if you're one of the Kennedy brothers. And we're having this bus is hitting every curb because our, our instructor is six foot nine and 300 pounds and he's sleep tatted and he's a freakish special operator. And he's literally hitting every curb to knock us over while we're trying to dress out and get ready because we're on a time limit when we get to the uh, the pool to go get ourselves crushed. And he's yelling, what are the seven C's, you know, and then he's yelling out like trivia questions. And one of them he yelled out was what is best in life? And, we, and some of the guys in my in my class who were much younger than me, because I was 10 years older than a lot of them, didn't know. They didn't know what was best in life, oh, right? Man. Yeah. But if someone asked you, hey, Garrett, what's best in life? You immediately know yeah. that Arnold Schwarzenegger tells you what right. it was, because yeah. we grew up with that toxicity. And exactly. I'm going to show you something yeah. as, a, as, a, as a, a mixture of this. I'm going to show you as a, sort of a uh, dichotomy against it. Let's look at topic two, because this, this article came up. Um, George Hill sent me this today. I want you guys to see this, and we're going to reflect on it as well. This is topic number two. Look at those men. Garrett, you can see it on your screen, okay? Yep. This is coming from Tablet. This is two days old. The Biden administration uh, tries to hide what it knew about the impending massacre. We're talking about Israel and Hamas. And with while they were still leaving the Iranian sort of uh, cooperation that, th- that this administration has done untouched, they don't want to talk about it, right? They'd rather not discuss what goes on there. And this is the piece that we're, we're first of all, look how weak those men look. Like either one of those guys would be leveled by a single punch. None of those guys are standing up against a Conan. You know, they're in nice suits. They're they're slim cut. Their arms are weak and frail. They're standing in gentle ways. They have weak hair. They're old. They're not young, like virile dudes that are going to go to war and, and protect our country and have this kind of stuff. Everything about that's uh, Anthony Blinken. And then uh, who's the other guy standing there? Jake Sullivan. OK, National Security Advisor and the Secretary of State. The two guys that are that are basically responsible for advising the president and projecting force and power of the United States on the world. That's what they look like. Yeah. Think think of that for a moment. Like, and I know, I don't know everything about politics and geopolitics. Okay. Okay, fine. But if if you have a national security advisor, if that's me in the White House, my national security advisor is going to be some grizzled command sergeant major from Delta Force. Who's going to know more about it than him? Who's been, and who's, who's put who's boots on the grounds more? where it needs yeah. to be done in places right. that we're not even supposed to be. And then you have these guys. What do they know except for what they read on cnn.com or what they heard from some general who's been so detached for 20 30 years and was probably just trying to climb the ranks anyways and it's like these are the people running the show no wonder hamas is attacking israel no wonder our border is being flooded i mean no wonder we failed in afghanistan failed i want jesse i want jesse horsley who was the the commander on the ground he was the uh, the NCOIC of the mission that went into the Olympia Hotel in Mogadishu. He's still around. He retired as a command sergeant major from Delta. Exactly that guy. 
And he was operating gray operations for the United States through all the early 2000s, the war on terror, responsible for a number of bad guys, high value targets that you know that I'm not going to say because the, the briefings we sat and had him come and talk in. He had to make sure everybody had a clearance so he could even <laughs> show us the videos of some of the bombs that they were getting dropped on and some of the uh, some of the uh, hostage rescue missions that they went on. That's the kind of guy that I want, someone who knows what the value of life is and what the value of death is. And instead, right. we have these guys. And this is the other piece of it that's really scary. If you'll pull that up. Uh, picture back up because this is what we're reading. This is coming from Tablet Magazine, but it doesn't matter where you grab it. The gaps in U.S. knowledge on this attack and Iran's role must be understood in the context of separate but a related intelligence scandal. Is this guy, is this going out in a big way? This has been reported on, but it's not big and and it should be absolutely staggering. The Biden administration's former Iranian envoy, this was Robert Malley, supported and facilitated an Iranian spy ring and brought one of the clerical regimes, this is the Iran's sort of assets, this woman named Irene uh, Tabatabe, I think is her name, Tabatabe, into the federal government. She actually is still at the Pentagon, where she's a chief of staff to the assistant director of defense for special operations, which is a guy named Chris Mayer. She she holds a top secret clearance and she reports to the Iranians. It's been exposed. Okay, but they, they basically said, like, we're giving money to we've got people inside that we've been penetrated by the Iranian um, sort of intelligence services. And in the meantime, there's no surprise. This is a one to one connection that they've been uh, sort of supporting the money going in, the money goes into Iran. Iran has been supporting Hezbollah. We're claiming, basically, that Hezbollah has never been a direct threat to the United States, but that's false. We've actually passed laws in this country against supporting Hamas, and Hamas is listed as a foreign terrorist operation, a foreign terrorist, an FTO, on the State Department's list, and we missed it. And we missed it because of weakness, because we've got guys like those two that are standing in and running our policy and are giving pallets of cash to Iran instead of putting people that are capable of violence. I'm going to bring up Demolition Man now. We're going to see a clip. This is what happens when you let weak and gentle men run policy that should be handled by rough and aggressive men. Let's go to a video number two. Folks, if you've never seen Demolition Man, it's not the best movie in the world, but it's highly entertaining. And you'll watch it with new eyes after seeing the attack that happened on Israel where 1,400 Israelis were killed. The worst killing of Jews in a single day since the Holocaust. Roll video two, if you would. Protect serve in place. Four minutes, 15 seconds lapse. Maniac is imminent. Request advice. With a firm tone of voice, demand Maniac lie down with hands behind back. Simon Phoenix, lie down with your hands behind your back. What's this? Six of you, such nice, tidy uniforms. Oh, I'm so scared. What, you guys don't have sarcasm anymore? Maniac has responded with a scornful remark. Approach and repeat ultimatum in an even firmer tone of voice. Add the words, or else. Simon Phoenix! Lie down on the ground, or else! Officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. 
That's the best line in the clip. By the way. Hey, wait for me! There it is. So crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear a lamentation of the women. <laughs> That's a little special from Ryan right there. Listen, that is the difference. That's the dichotomy. The uh, the guy who is quiet and weak and says, "Oh, I'm so scared. Like, what do I do?" We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. Garrett, were you trained for that kind of violence in the military and police officer? I certainly was. Yeah. What about what about in the FBI? You think the FBI is uh, ready to handle that kind of violence? I would say by and large, no. Uh, some, I mean, you know, I was on SWAT and there are guys, you know, like you with your backgrounds and, you know, even that, not everybody on FBI SWAT is, you know, like Conan, but, um, there's more Conan types than not. Yeah. And, you know, certainly at the police department, there were some who you would look at and be like, man, I, I don't, I really don't want to get in a use of force with that officer because not, then I'm going to, they're going to be more of a liability. Uh, there was a lot more of that at the FBI than at, at the local PD, at least in my experience. But um, that clip, you know, it's cheesy and funny, but it's so poignant because, you know, we're not quite there where where they're talking into their intercom for instructions on even what to say. But boy, are we close. Maniac is imminent. You notice uh, uh, FBI Panty Raid, our buddy in the chat was just mentioning that it was a female voice from the computer. And that was also huh. so relevant. Right. And it is. That, it's 100 percent the case. It's a female a voice telling these like what otherwise look like aggressive males. Like those are good sized dudes. They were guys from the 90s who were actors. So, you know, actors in the 90s were not weak, frail and beta. They were like actually pretty jacked. That was that guy's in his 30s, you know, late 30s or early 40s when he's filming that. And yet. It's such a great visual. It's like they're wearing the biker jacket, like they're tough, like what we'd expect to be sort of like a presence of, of authority. And they're taking instructions from a female computer voice on how to deal with a skinnier, but, you know, martial artist, Wesley yeah. Snipes. Yeah. Well, it's 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 role playing. I mean, that's, that's what what we say about the FBI. It's it's law enforcement cosplay. And I mean, that clip, it's like, oh, it, it's like um, idiocracy. It, it, it's it's reminiscent of that for me, except in more of a law enforcement context, because it's like, not only are you seeing the writing on the wall at this point, like it, it's we're pretty much there like that. You know, it's, idiocracy was like what early 2000s, maybe. And this was 1990s. Yep. And it's only 2023. Like it's not been that long. So you the know, this, year of that particular uh, movie is supposed to be set in 2032. Just so you know, we're oh. 10 years shy of where that is in 10 years. Imagine how far we've come and how far we could go. This is the, uh, the clip that I always find really funny. This is what they make fun of. We're going to do the Dennis Leary piece. I'm going to show you guys a bunch of this movie, sort of the most important arguments being made video. Number six, Ryan, if you'll cue that one up, this is what they say. Um, is the most popular oldies station at that time. And like I said, if you, folks, if you haven't seen this in a long time, it's uh, it, it rolls back into your head and you go like, oh my God, yes. Like, look how well they predicted this. This was obviously a, a tale that we did not heed because it was a warning out there for us and we still went that way. Anyway, let's roll it. Uh, let's do video number six. This is the car scene with 
Uh, Leona Huxley, which is uh, Sandra Bullock, who's really sweet and cute. And you got uh, the the Spartan, John Spartan. He's just been reanimated and he's driving around with these police officers who are not prepared for violence. So this is the video, number six. You seem very much alone, John Spartan, but things aren't all that different. Perhaps you'd like to hear an oldie station. Oldies? Oh, what a relief. Oh, this is the most popular relief. station in town. Wall-to-wall mini-tunes. You call them commercials. Here's that classic you've all been waiting for. The number one request of the day. Armor Hot Dog. Kids eat Armor Hot Dog. Oh, wow. This is my fave. Even kids with chicken pox love hot dogs. Armor Hot Dogs. The dogs. Kids love <laughs> if you're not watching our rumble channel what you missed is sandra bullock and what's that guy's name i know he was on law and order i can't remember his name but uh the two police officers dressed up in the front seat and they're they're like nodding their heads and smiling happily and you see sylvester stallone the classic like 80s and 90s action figure and he's got his hand in his face like i cannot believe that i'm alive and human beings have sunk to this depth <laughs> That's where we're, we're not far away. Like that's supposed to be nine years in the future um, as predicted. We're probably closer to that than we were the flying cars from um, from uh, Back to the Future, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think of how often I'm doing this and just reading a headline or a tweet or seeing people like Anthony Blinken or whoever. And it's like, man, how, we, you know, we got to turn if if we're going to turn it around, like we have the building is on fire. It, it's 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 down to the studs so we got to put the fire out and then we got to rebuild like we're there and you know i know people watching and in the chat and everything are aware of that for the most part but we we got to get everybody as many people on board as possible because you know we got anthony blinken eating eating an impossible burger and it's like no get back to your red meat maybe ditch the bun uh but let's get strong let's get fit and you know i'm sure people are like well that's real rich coming from you yeah it's been a rough year i know but, uh... <laughs> Both of us. you know what i'm gonna tell you this um first of all benjamin bratt is the guy who was uh sitting in the front seat there for those of you i appreciate the, the folks in the chat that are keeping us uh keeping us accountable i went out to the pool yesterday i swam at uh, the ymca i know you do the same thing and it was a real simple um sort of test of my ability set when I was, when I was uh, training in the, in the air force, one of the things that we did was called underwaters. That's where you take a deep breath, you swim and you just do like, um, understroke all the way underwater. You don't, I did it with uniforms on as well and boots, but you swim all the way to the end, uh, the other side of the pool, you touch the, uh, the bottom down by the, where the, the bottom touches the wall, the 45 degree or the 90 degree angle there. And then you press off on a 45 degree and you swim back. Okay. So it's a 50 meter swim 25 plus, I don't know, another six or eight are underwater. So maybe 30, 34, 35 yards underwater. And we would do those on an interval. So you repeat them at a specific time limit. And when I was really killing it, I could do it on a minute and I could do 10 of them. And I can't do that right now. I think that the the requirement was like a minute 15, but we would get as fast as a minute. I did eight of them yesterday on 130, which is no record. And I'm not super proud of it, but I started at two minutes two times ago. I can get back to where I was. You can get back to where you were. Both of us have had a pretty rough year, but that's because I aspire to do that. And one of my contrast was, and it's not like making fun of these people, it's that there were people in the pool with me that were younger than me that were weaker and frailer and more doughy looking and they didn't stri- and they weren't trying hard they were flopping around doing the double arm floaty thing they looked like they were 90 year olds and these are guys in their early 30s and there there was no embarrassment there although after I started swimming they all left which I thought was kind of funny too but 
we don't have that shame sense even where it's like, you don't even know what you don't know. You don't even know that you're supposed to be hard when you're in your twenties and your thirties. We should be looking to those guys as the ones that would go and fight a war on our behalf. Those are the men that you served with. Those are the guys that I signed up with that were in their twenties that wanted to go and like eat fire and live on snakes. And instead we've got like Anthony Blinken actually show up, uh, show the picture from, from number four, topic four, Ryan. This is, this is Bibi Netanyahu and, and Joe Biden. Like these are the dudes that are deciding the fate of what's going to happen in Israel. You know, Bibi Netanyahu seems like he's like a pretty aggressive dude. He seems like he's, I mean, I know he's done some hard things in his life, but he's old. He's, he's crossed the finish line. He's supposed to be a senior statesman. Maybe he should be in an advisory role, not making like battle time decisions for a country that is being, you know, dealing with an existential threat on all sides. They used to always know that Israel had to fight it out. If they ever had to, they should be able to fight like five enemies at once. They were, they were Wesley Snipes. For in, sure. You know, against the five cops, because those five cops are now savages. And yeah, and they're and they're the Oscar Mayer hot dog eaters. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like I, I like this idea that or it just came to me when you're talking about BB being old. The, the Some of these these guys who are old, but still with it, they could be fantastic advisors because of the experience they have. And, you know, BB has come out very firm and strong, um, at least um, verbally and I appreciate that. Like I've not heard talk like that from an American president, I, maybe ever, you know, like I know we had W after nine 11, like, Oh, we don't negotiate with terrorists, but BB saying like, we're going to slaughter all you. He literally said the Conan piece. At least he's yeah. got that mentality, whether he can right. do it himself or not is another animal, whether they let yeah. this thing happen to them or not is another animal, but yeah. at least there's that. So here's where I, I talked about yesterday, the last domino, they go after free speech. They want to shut it down. What the goal is, is to basically emasculate, this entire U.S. population, including all of you that own firearms, that own weapons, that want to be able to defend yourself, that did see Red Dawn and thought, hey, uh, if I get a paratrooper, whether it's a Hamas paratrooper or a Chinese paratrooper, if you watch the remake of it, which I didn't, but apparently it was like the Koreans. Uh, the Koreans are never coming here. But if somebody were to come in and jump from behind our enemy lines, Russians or otherwise, they would have to deal with a, with a rifle behind every blade of grass, the way yeah. that the, the Japanese uh, general mm-hmm. said, or the admiral rather. So that being the case, this is what they would prefer to have. This is, again, Demolition Man, video clip number three. This is what gun control ends in, if you guys want to know what it looks like when it ends. And they gave us this warning a long time ago. Video three. You are now entering the armory exhibit. You will find display. So sorry. Various weapons used for violent life termination. (laughs) Wars and urban disturbances of the 19th and 20th century. Oh, shit. You are fined one credit oh. for a violation of the verbal morality statute. <laughs> yes! Now, this is what I'm talking about. How do you get in here? Hey, hey, you gotta wait that 15 day waiting period? Or can I just like take one now? Just about broke his hand against the glass. No greetings. What seems to be your boggle? <laughs> My boggle? Oh, How much do you weigh? Well, I happen to weigh six. <laughs> he just tosses him. So if you're not watching on the uh, Rebel channel, what you missed is Simon Phoenix, who is uh, Wesley Snipes' character, who looks a lot like a Dennis Rodman. Uh, he... <laughs> 
he's been kicking, trying to break through this sort of bulletproof glass or this resistant glass. And then he picks up the, the what is your boggle guy, who is the museum curator, because they've turned firearms into a, an exhibit. And it was part of the 19th and 20th century, the vile termination of human life in violent ways. And uh, he throws them right through and he takes whatever he needs because that's what savages do. Dan Bongino has been talking about the savages are at the gate. You know, we let a bunch of savages with lawnmowers, we being the Western world, let a bunch of savages with lawnmowers strapped to their backs come flying in and attack people who were at a peace rally. There's not there's not a, a sense of irony lost on me in the fact that the people that were at a peace rally were guys that were just a little bit younger than you. They probably had the same haircut without the, the aggressiveness of the beard. They didn't have the meat behind it, right? These, these kind of like soy looking, you know, probably vegan type dudes. And they're out there gentle, in the desert, like drugged out, not prepared, living in the Middle East, which is essentially always a dangerous proposition, and they don't even know it. In the meantime, yeah. you know, they weren't armed. Right. They had right. all their guns in a the museum. They had Israel actually passed some anti-gun legislation in the last couple of years, which is right. strange. It's really crazy. I mean, think especially for them. Yep. Every it's mandatory to serve. I think it's two years. Yep. And they have a very um proud heritage and culture that they want to defend at all costs because of because they're surrounded by enemies literally everywhere. And then they're going to get on board with the rest of the world or the the rest of the West and say, yeah, we don't think our citizens should have guns, even though the vast majority of them who aren't criminals are military trained. And we could literally have a standing army in a, in a moment if we needed to, if we allowed them to have guns. But let's not do that. So th they bought the lie like everybody else. What's what's villainized now? Owning a gun, eating red meat, uh, your gas stove. Yep. Those are the things that make you an extremist now and oh even talking about defending yourself or others wow you you must truly be a barbarian and it's like these are basic principles of of humanity uh since the beginning of time you know you don't you don't uh enact violence unless you have to and if someone's going to attack your nation and your people you should be prepared to fight back for that and it's like this is common sense stuff well, we talked about it with George Hill the other day, and essentially, like, we all have been led to believe that Israel has done the same thing that Switzerland always did, which is that everybody has a weapon, that there's 80% plus civilian ownership of firearms, and in fact, it looks like it's down to, like, 2% over the last couple of years because they voluntarily disarmed themselves, which is absolutely crazy to me, based on the plan, like, Switzerland could disarm itself, it's surrounded by no one, and it has mountains. And yet they have maintained their culture, as far as we understand it, and we've seen the Israelis do exactly the opposite, which does feel... It, it feels like they were captured the way that Yuri Bezmenov was talking about, that they have basically been brainwashed into weakness, that they captured those younger generations. And those people grew up thinking, hey, even though we see rockets all the time, uh, I, I think there's this, this interesting comparison between digital and analog. And you and I had analog childhoods. The people that grew up in a digital era thought that maybe the machines will protect us. You know, there's all this surveillance state and the government's got us and they got our back and they really don't have our back. Let me just show you something really interesting. You probably don't know this one. George sent me this earlier today. Will you pull up topic number three? Topic number three. Look at this. Why America wouldn't be America without this mountain of skulls. If you're watching on our Rumble channel, what you're seeing there is a pile of skulls that is about 20 feet high. Do you know what those skulls are, Garrett? Uh, bison, I think. They are buffalo skulls. Yes, they are. 
Okay, this is the slaughter that Americans did on Buffalo, and it was done for two reasons. Ostensibly, it was done so that we could achieve manifest destiny and that we could kill off all the things that were derailing trains so they didn't have to have those big cow throwers on the front of it. But that particular picture shows you the devastation we did. We took the Buffalo population from about uh, one and a half, close to two million, down to like 300. They killed literally millions of Buffalo. Now, it had an added benefit to the United States government. It subjugated... The Indians, the American Indians, it took a native population that was, you know, basically the ones that were holding back the expansion from a lot of settlers because they were unwieldy and they were, you know, they were they were barbarians. They were the ones that were roaming the plains and occasionally burning down white settlements. And so they killed these things. We know that the numbers were that high because one single railroad company shipped 500,000 buffalo hides back to the east between 1872 and 1874, according to this article. This is coming from allthatsinteresting.com. If you guys want to go read it, you can go just search out like the Buffalo Massacre of 1873. This is what went down, okay? And the really wild thing is this. Why did they do it? They, Like I said, they sold the American people on one story, the story being we want to go and clear the way for the railroad. But the story that they got from uh, General Philip Sheridan who fought in the Indian Wars, but was also, you know, sort of in that era, the Civil War era, he told the Texas legislature that the Buffalo Hunters were going to destroy the Indians' commissary. He was going to destroy the Indians' commissary because when they got rid of the source of food that allowed the ravagers and then the free-range barbarians that were out there, they would eliminate their ability to do war on the white settlements, which allowed basically manifest destiny to take place. And we sh- we spread, as a country, from sea to shining sea. That's a really rough move. It was mm-hmm. bad, I think, long-term for the animal populations, and it's sad for those of us who want to be able to hunt and see that as a conservation thing. But the will of our government, they were willing to kill 1.5 million buffaloes under false pretense to specifically get rid of an internal enemy. You think yeah. our government wouldn't do that again? They still would. It's just weak men that couldn't do it themselves. Exactly. And it's, man, yeah, exactly. You know, I've been thinking more and more, and I've been looking more into American history uh, during this suspension and government, especially uh, FBI and, and other other parts. But uh, shortly before I got suspended, I don't remember the name of the book. I read a book while well, I listened to a book on my many drives to and from Kansas City or wherever, Western Kansas and all the places. But uh, it's about Crazy Horse. And at that time, it was it was basically nearing the end of what the Indians, Native Americans were. And they didn't touch on this specific instance of all the bison. I don't recall. Maybe they did a little bit, but the warrior culture was eroding. And many of the chiefs were saying, ah, you know, it's just easier to to go along with the white man. And they, they, they pay us. They basically paid some of them off. And the ones that resisted were kind of forced out and were fleeing north and west and wanting to fight. But not all the tribes were getting on board and it, you know, it was a very calculated move by the u.s government to weed them out and they they employed all sorts of things to do so like slaughtering all these buffalo and look at the effect it still has i mean you've you've worked the res before so you probably can speak to it even more than me and like that that people they they're done i mean yeah sure they exist in little pockets in the country but from what they were to what they are, 
I mean, they're they're a destroyed people, a destroyed culture. And there's more of them now than there ever was, which is also interesting. They've gotten weaker and there are more of them. So <laughs> when I say that is that like the numbers of people that settled the Mescalero Apache tribe, the residents like uh, the, the reservation that I was working on, it was only a couple hundred. I think it was like between two and three hundred originally founded on that space. They were killed off in big numbers, right. but they've repopulated to the point. But they are not they are a shadow of their former culture. And a lot of it is because they were devastated, one, by the United States government, two, they've been assimilated, and three, they lost the ability to know what is hard. They kind of are trying to struggle at that, but they're being destroyed by a lot of the culture that exists in the United States and the poverty, and they've basically gone government reliance. That, that yep. distance has gone very far. I'm going to play this for you because it's internalized. Once you internalize what the enemy is trying to put on you, the weakness, the, uh, the like I say, the soy, the beta, whatever it is, you take that on and say it's part of yourself, you actually start advocating. This is what Yuri Bezmenov was talking about, the capturer of a society of an entire generation. I've got a clip from Nefarious here that just struck me, and I know it'll resonate with you as well. But folks, this is what is achieved when you have people, and there are people in our federal government right now. I think uh, Blinken and, and uh, um, Jake Sullivan, those guys look exactly like this attorney, or this, uh, this uh, psychologist, rather, who's making the arguments. He's making the arguments that we've won because diversity and because we've gotten rid of racism, we've put women to work in a way that they didn't previously do. We've destroyed basically all of the um, the traditional values that this country and, and all Western society was founded on. Because look what we've done. It's so good. You're going to hear this demon. This is a man possessed, possessed by a demon. Answer him. Let's do, uh, that's going to be video number five. I called it Evil is Everywhere. So let's take a look at this thing. I, I'm telling you, the, the, the warnings are always in film. Art actually does warn us about this kind of stuff, but we fail. Let's go ahead and play this one real quick. Your side's not doing too well. Do you really believe that, James? Yeah. We've never been freer. Literacy is at an all-time high. We're working to eliminate racism, intolerance, gender inequality. People can, people can love who they want, be who they want, do what they want. Diversity is no longer a dream. Hate speech is no longer tolerated, and politically, we're reclaiming the moral high ground. James, I think I love you. Literacy, James. James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making 30 million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has 40 million slaves, more than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You wanna know the best part though? Half of those, half are sex slaves, okay? As for hate speech, well, you wanna hear some irony? We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you amaze even us. I fail to see the humor. Bottom line is you're done. It's over, that's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. And no one even cares. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media. We desensitized you. Redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. More to the point, James, you can't even feel it when you're doing it. And as for winners and losers, whoa, whoa, whoa. That gets decided at the time of death. The exact numbers are closely guarded secret, but there are more of you ending up in my master's house than with the enemy. A lot more, Jimmy. 
That's good right there. So this is a movie called Nefarious. If you guys haven't seen it, it's definitely worth your time. It's going to definitely shift your perspective on what's been going on in some ways. But moreover, it's probably going to confirm what you think is happening. Um, I want to. I'm going to wrap this whole show up in a minute here with you, Garrett, and we're going to play the uh, the famous speech that Dennis Leary sort of steals the show from the movie Demolition Man. But I wanted to. Um, I wanted to give you kind of an example of what that clip leads to when the values that you have are softness, gentleness, diversity, the Green New Deal, uh, protect the planet, but don't worry about what the human cost is. I want to show you this story. This was on C uh, CBS's lead page today. This was over in the U.S. section. Will you pull up topic number six? Because this is going to blow your mind. So this this article is entitled Remains of at least 189 people removed from funeral home that offered quote unquote green burials without embalming fluid. Now, historically, we've always had a couple of ways of getting rid of people. We put them in the ground and that's the term six feet under or we've burned them. We've put them on a funeral pile and we and we've sent them and we've basically relegated their uh, their bodies to ashes, which is a very familiar concept to us. There's a way of saying goodbye in both of those, putting people into the in the ground where they're going to inspire new life. The body decays and it becomes part of the cycle or you burn them and you see there's you know, we imagine that their spirit is basically lifted up to heaven. There's different cultures have done it different ways. What we've never really done is taken bodies and put them into an outbuilding in a trailer and let them sit in the sun in Colorado by 200s and just let them sit there until they stink to the point where it's now a biohazard. But that's what the story says. The remains of 189 people removed from a Colorado funeral home. Uh, and they were basically, they're charging the, uh, the owners of the funeral home with uh, improperly storing the bodies and, uh, you know, desecration of a corpse because they created this thing that was called the return to nature funeral home in a very small town called Penrose, about a hundred miles South of Denver. The idea was, is that they were going to have a green burial system and the green burial was basically them just stacking up a bunch of bodies on top of each other. They had to get the FBI to come in to try to figure out what in the world was going on there. Was this a mass casualty event? They basically sent them out trying to figure out how in the world did all this happen? And they victimized the people that were grieving that were theoretically trying to do quote unquote, the right thing by going with a green a green burial system. And when you do that, what you've done is you've eliminated all of the lessons of history and you've decided to just put your loved one in a place to rot on top of a bunch of other people's loved ones. And they uh, they just sat in the sun until it became so disgusting that people had to come in in hazmat suits. That to me is the peak of a society that has lost track of what the even process, the burial process was about. This was a scam and it's only perpetrated I mean, they took your money to do something, some sort of barrel thing, and all they did literally was take a body and shove it into a trailer. They they are per perpetrating the scam because people are so willing to do things that are so illogical and against their own best interest that they're giving up all the traditional knowledge that we've basically fought through for five, 6,000 years of human history. Right. This is, yeah, okay, so that, that nefarious clip and the tie-in with this story, I know the, the first one is just a movie, but that's how Satan works. He doesn't come at you with a pitchfork and red scaly skin and fire. He comes at you deceiving you, tricking you. Um, one of my favorite Bible verses, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says he has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. If, if that's not where we are, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'll tell you just to start at page one in your Bible and, re, and read through it because there, even again, in the Old Testament, there is, is rules and dictates and laws for how they buried their people. Like this stuff is... It's all, it's biblical. And right now it's, the deception is globalism, government, science, all these being, you know, living for your truth. 
sorry, that's wrong. There's one truth. Men are men. Women are women. There's no in between. You know, gen it's in Genesis one, I think verse 27, it, sa it says, that's how we were made. Like, whether you like it or not, there are things I don't like. There are, are things when I read in the Bible or reflect on my life or pray, I think, man, I'm, I'm sin. I, I did a, I committed sin here or, or there, or I read something and I, I, I work on it. And I, I think about it. And it's like, even if I don't like it, this is the truth. And we all have to come to the truth instead of like, look, look at this story, 189 people. And they're, they're, they're selling a lie. Hey, not, we know you're grieving and your loved one is dead, but, but pay us. I guarantee you they were making a making money off of this. Of course. Absolutely. And, you know, bring them here and we're, we're you know, in their last moment, they're, they're dead. We're going to do it green. It's going to be good for the earth. That's right. And it's like, we're worshiping the wrong things. All, George, the, all these false gods. George Hill calls them climate pagans. And that's what they're yeah. doing. It's climate He's, paganism. They've taken on a false god. Uh, I found out that our YouTube stream was actually shut down for copyright infringement. My my stream that has seven viewers to 15 viewers tops on YouTube is enough for the censors to go out and find us on YouTube. It's really <laughs> funny to me how well yeah. we are targeted by that. Uh, I'm only on there because it tells me what they're worried about and what they're, they're concerned about. I may just drop YouTube altogether. So if you've joined us from somewhere else, uh, give us a like on Rumble. You can always see us there. We're uncensored. We can actually show the things that we want to do and we can talk about things you know obviously the lure of this particular of this particular stream this particular show is not that you're going to watch a couple of like 30 60 and 90 second clips of a movie that was released 25 right. or 30 years ago the lure is that we are doing content that is commentary on it and that's what's called fair use so we're actually right. allowed to use it the way that we do we're not yep. breaking any rules but of course youtube is not concerned about the rules they're just using it as a cover like so many of the other things um let's get to the the crux of the issue here of what you just said because I don't want to leave people on the doom and gloom like we're screwed. We're actually not screwed yeah, we're, because you know. there's a lot of guys like you and me. There's a lot of people like the suspendables and the Sarah fans in the chat. I don't know where you guys came up with that, but it's cute. Um, there's people out in the chat. that a little bit too. Yeah. So there's going on there. Uh, before we, we show the final clip, which I do want to do, I just want to say thanks to my friends over at Catholic Vote. If you guys haven't gotten the loop yet, sign up for the loop. You can go to their webpage, catholicvote.org. You can financially support them. You can keep track of the uh, attacks on churches. They have a rolling scroll under there that's very, very good. They'll show you the attacks on crisis pregnancy centers. And of course, the the loop is the best probably one minute of news. You'll get you caught up. If you want to know what the current events are about with no commentary and no filter, um, Catholic Vote is actually starting to do their own reporting. So go to catholicvote.org. You're going to start seeing some of their own stories that they're going to be breaking real soon. I just talked to the president of Catholic Vote the other day, and I really, really like him. His name is Brian Birch. He's been on Fox a bunch of times. Brian's a good dude. And um, and the loop is excellent. It really is. It's an outstanding product. I've recommended to people and people come back to me and tell me, man, this is really good. You don't have to be Catholic to go to the thing. It's not Catholic focused, although there's always a story in there that is lifestyle and or Catholic vote related. Uh, but there's a lot of just basic U.S. news that you're going to want to know about as someone who is pro-family, pro-faith, and pro-freedom. You'll like it. Go to catholicvote.org, sign up for that. Um, and we're really appreciative that they support us because they really do. So um, here's the, the crux of the issue. You ready for this one, Garrett? Do you remember this movie? Do you remember this, uh, what this is, this Dennis Leary speech? I, I think so. I mean, it's been a minute, but I think I think I do. Okay, so there's toxic masculinity here. There's eating meat. There's all the things that you know that they would hate. This was filmed 30 years ago, and you can touch it and go like, obviously, this guy would still be offensive to the people that are out protesting on behalf of Hamas today that would get thrown off buildings. The queers for Palestine would be offended by every bit of this clip. Here's Dennis Leary stealing the show, one of the great scenes from 90s movies, making fun of our woke culture today, even before it came out. Let's do video number four. We're just going to run the whole speech here. And of course, he has a firearm because he's uh, primitive and uh, toxic. Let's run it. 
Your friends, too. Come on, move. You got ball balls, cop, coming down here after the show you put on. We're looking for a murder-death killer. Can you help or just bully us with your primitive weapons? Well, maybe they're not so primitive. So you think you're taking me in, huh? Guess what? Not happening. You tell Cocteau he can kiss my ass. Yeah, that's right. You tell Cocteau it's going to take an army of assholes to get rid of me because I don't give a shit. I got nothing to lose. I don't want to rain on your parade, pal. But I don't know who the hell you are, let alone want to take you anywhere. So stay here, be well, and Cocteau's an asshole. Hey, let's take him and dump him up top. They're only down here to spy on us. Wait a minute. You're the guy outside Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? I guess you weren't part of the cocktail plan. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. That's why everybody's down here? You got that right. See, according to Cocteau's plan, I'm the enemy. Because I like to think. I like to read. I'm into freedom of speech and freedom of choice. I'm the kind of guy who likes to sit in a greasy spoon and wonder, gee, should I have the T-bone steak or the jumbo rack of barbecue ribs with the side order of gravy fries? I want high cholesterol. I want to eat bacon and butter and buckets of cheese, okay? I want to smoke Cuban cigar the size of Cincinnati in a non-smoking section. I want to run through the streets naked with green jello all over my body reading Playboy magazine. Why? Because I suddenly might feel the need to, okay, pal? I've seen this. Do you know what it is? It's a 47-year-old virgin sitting around in his beige pajamas drinking a banana broccoli shake singing, I'm an Oscar Mayer weed. You live up top, you live Cocteau's way. What he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Your other choice? Come down here, maybe starve to death. All right, then why don't you take charge and lead these people out of here? I'm no leader. I do what I have to do. Sometimes people come with me. All I want to do is bury Cocteau up to his neck and shit and let him think happy, happy thoughts forever. And I got bad news. I think he wants to kill you. All right, there it is. So that's the great sort of climax of before they go and they take back the world. I think the suspendables are the Dennis Leary types, uh, maybe without the uh, Playboy and the and the the green jelly running down the, the street. <laughs> but all that being said, I want to eat meat. I want to eat cheese. I want to smoke a cigar if I choose to. I want to grow a beard. I don't want people to tell me how to live my life. I know you feel the same way. And I think we also have the same instinct that we didn't come out here to lead anybody, but sometimes people want to follow it. Um, it may be a time to lead, it turns out. You've talked about uh, an idea. We've been flirting with it, uh, you know, sort of casually as a joke that you should run for office, but maybe you have to do that. And and I know that none of us want to do that, but yeah. uh, somebody's got to step that. into the gap right now. Right. Yeah, I would I would hate to do that. Um, but you know what? I I hate this. I, I hate what has become of this. Um, but at the same time, like I said, when I testified in my opening, Isaiah 6, 8, here am I, send me. This is the, the I, I truly believe that we don't pick the hill. The hill picks us and all, we just obey. And, you know, for me, I, it's clearly, I hope it's clear, it's rooted in my faith. And for me to disobey would be to disobey God. And I can't willingly do that. Don't get me wrong. I still sin every day, but there are things I like this clip you just played. It's resistance to tyranny and resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And then that, that comes from our founders. You know, um, I think it was Benjamin Franklin who coined it and then uh, Thomas Jefferson liked it so much he got it put on like his crest at Monticello. So it's I think it, I don't I forget all the details, but anyways, it's it it's just just like Dennis Leary was saying, like 
I want to do these things. Sometimes people follow. I'm not doing it because I want notoriety. I know that you don't either. I would much rather be collecting my lucrative GS13 uh, uh, Washington, D.C. area locality pay because that would be a lot better than than right now from a human perspective. Right. Um, but from a spiritual perspective, it's I, I, I must believe, and I think it's clear from the Bible that we are right where we're meant to be. God has has established the path for us, and we just have to willingly obey and follow. And I mean, it, yeah, you 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 have to resist tyranny. I mean, it, it's a it's a true tenet of the faith, and I think that's what we're doing, you know. And and it's it's cool to see the growth that that you have had over the last less than a year and all the things that have happened really since you were suspended and then me and then you know getting connected with steve and others like this is not this is not man causing all of these things to happen we're all we're all just you know marching to the beat of god's drum and he's establishing the way whether it's my way your way the fbi's way he's established all of it you know before time even existed it's all true. Uh, I've been reminded, I just was looking this up the other day, but uh, Matthew 25 says something to the effect of, um, you know, the servant that can be trusted in small matters can be trusted in great matters. I think that many of us got a chance to see what our metal was, what we you were tested in small ways. Uh, and in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, you could look at it and say, what happened to you and me working for the FBI is actually a small thing compared to what may be asked of us in the future. We know yeah. where we're going to stand. I think we know where a lot of people in the federal government will stand. They will stack 2 million skulls high to be a warning and to destroy the uh, the sort of internal dissent that was happening. It's been done before, and it wasn't done by people who were brave. It was done by people who were shooting muskets and rifles out of a moving train. There was no threat to them. They were shooting buffaloes that were just standing around, and they will treat you the same way. I think that's worth knowing. So the only way you do it is that resistance to tyranny by stepping into the gap, by knowing what your test is on a small matter so you can be faithful and good in the other, in the larger matters. And uh, some of us are going to have to start looking into political service. I'd rather not. I think there's other people that are better suited for it. I'm better in this role and I will support them and help them move along. But it, we have to look at political service, not as a, an aspiration, but as a burden that we take on. And I just listened to Brandon Herrera and Victor Avila who were talking, they're going to primary Tony Gonzalez in the 23rd of Texas. He's the the guy that just uh, is, has been selling out the, uh, the border towns. And they're running basically with the idea that this is a suicide mission. They're going in knowing that they may never get reelected, but they're going to do what's right for the time. That's what we need. We need politicians that don't want to go to to be politicians that are reluctant politicians the same way you know. The guy who doesn't want to take the squad but has been the hardest working guy, that's the guy you want to follow into battle, and it should be the same thing for our politicians right now. Right. 100%. 100% agree. It's time for some hard men to do some hard things. Um Anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed what we were talking about. I'm going to give Garrett a chance to plug what he's up to these days. He's not catching bad guys. He is running this, so we'll throw this full screen. Garrett, I'll give you your own plug for the merch store, but I'll throw the uh, – here it is right there. You want to throw this thing up? we got the merch store uh, on my side here. There it is. Go ahead. Yeah, the-suspendables.com. Get your merch. Um, I mean, it's been <laughs> – it's funny. I'll just give a little ad lib here on this. When I was like a freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore, I took an entrepreneurship class. And like my project for the semester was starting a t-shirt business. Like that was what I picked. And I've, I've wanted to do it ever since. I never could have imagined I, I actually would do it. You know, I started with that last line shirt, the blue line one, when I was a cop. And I had a whole idea for what that could have been or would be. And 
you know, now I've been able to integrate it into the suspendable stuff, but uh, it's been interesting. It's been a learning curve, especially with like shipping and stitching hats and, you know, it, it's been, it's been crazy. It's been cool. It's been keeping me busy. I shipped a ton of orders yesterday and I got a few more I'll ship out today. And then there will be a few that'll take maybe a week. Um, Cause I, I, I ran out of pins. You guys bought them all up. So I appreciate all that. It's it, the support has been really encouraging and cool to see because it's like, it's, it's, it's like, man, there are people out there who appreciate us and appreciate the message and, and, what we've been through and what we've done and what we're trying to do. And, you know, like I said, um, we, we just have to obey, you know, and if, if, if t-shirts and hats and Ranger panties can be a little, little part of, of spreading the message, you know, then I'm all for it. So thank you all the dash suspendables.com. Get your merch, keep it going. Promo code Kyle gets you 10% off on there. We did it just for tracking. You can tell them I'm not, I'm not getting any money out of this. Yeah. I just do it cause it's fun. And I, and I appreciate supporting you. And yeah, I'm sure there are people out there who think like, Oh, Kyle probably gets all sorts of free stuff. He he's actually been the number one, uh, uh, purchaser of, of items. So <laughs> it's been cool. It's been cool to see folks. Uh, some of you are asking about the, the thin blue line, the last line strength. We're going to be announcing something in just a little bit. Garrett's got something in the background. I know you guys see that shirt and you like it. I've worn it on the, uh, I've worn it on the show. Click on the uh, the, the last line, if you would, Ryan. Will you, will you pull that down? The Ranger panties are coming for me, too. I saw my order shipped yesterday with that big bulk order you just talked about. This is the the original last line shirt. I wear this thing out. I swear to God, I've gone out to the grocery store, and I identified when you guys are walking in a grocery store, you always can kind of see there's like three or four dudes that are like you, that are like a Garrett, that are um, like masculine men that I would know that if it started, if a shooting war broke out at the grocery store, like they'd be on my team and I wouldn't have to, you know, coax them into action. They'd already be there. And I recognized one of these guys as a friendly when I was cruising through, and he walked up to me in the parking lot after I put all my grocery groceries away and my kids were all stowed and he sees me and I'm returning my cart and he points right at my chest and he sees that last line strength shirt and he goes, it's a badass shirt, man. And I was going to be like, oh, you could find him at my buddy's store. And I just left it. I just said, you know what? If he wants to find it, if you guys search last line strength, you'll actually see Garrett's original t-shirt company that was set up when he was a cop. And uh, we're going to get that redirected over to the dash suspendables.com use promo code Kyle. So he knows that uh, it came from the show here and we'll promote all that stuff, but uh, look for a new uh, blue line. We'll call it a uh, last line. There'll be a new last line series that's coming your way, guys, pretty soon. And uh, I will be the one demoing the first version of it because because that's what I do. Um, we really appreciate all of you guys sticking with us today. We appreciate Garrett O'Boyle. Garrett, tell them your socials if you're starting to approve people and your Substack, and they can uh, follow yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my Substack, it, you know, it's been a little side project, but I, I really come to to like it, and I, I get a lot out of it myself just doing it uh, for mental clarity and and whatever, you know, just getting to kind of use my brain like I used to uh, when I was an investigator. But uh, that is last line. You know, there's a theme here, lastline.substack.com. And uh, I'm GOB actual on there because it's kind of like a quasi social media as well. So you can follow my Substack and me, I guess. Uh, I'm still, I don't do a ton of it other than write the post, but, um, and then I'm GOB actual pretty much everywhere else. Um, Truth, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, so. 
There it is. Follow G-O-B Actual anywhere that you're following on social media. You can find him. You can support the Last Line Substack. We really appreciate you jumping on today, Garrett. Uh, folks, you've been listening to the Kyle Serafin Show. We stream it live from Liberty Hill, Texas. It's a good hill to die on here in Texas, America. It's 9.30 Eastern time. We get started 8.30 Central time. If you just joined us and if you're catching up in the stream, by all means, give us the thumbs up on there. We appreciate it on Rumble. And uh, you can follow us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, where we don't get censored, where we don't get our stream destroyed, where we don't have the YouTube treatment, which is kind of funny. YouTube sends me an email every single day letting me know, oh, we've monetized your abilities. You can now uh, get ad revenue. It's like, can we? Because we can't even do a show without you cutting off the stream. I um, want to say thanks to all of you out there. Tac Penis has been, uh, which is very funny, by the way, Tac Penis, classic Air Force. Uh, <laughs> Tactical Air Control Party, one of the guys uh, that has been following us recently. We, we saw you became a subscriber the other day, so I'm very appreciative. And you've been real active in the chat since you joined us. I've got buddies who are Tac Ps. I'll talk about the Air Force at some point, y'all. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Very appreciated. Uh, follow Ryan Matta Media on Twitter. Ryan Matta on True Social. Follow our moderator, Eric Jason, who's been out there hanging it up and making sure you guys are on it. And leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever it is that you guys go. There is a link in the description. You can leave us one if you have an Apple product. We do appreciate it. We read them on the show, like this one from AWOL Sanity. Is, uh, is Sanity absent without leave? Probably so. It just says, awesome podcast, five stars. I listen almost daily. The latest with Steve Friend and Steve Baker was amazing. If you guys haven't seen that one or listened to it, by all means, go check that out because we dropped some serious knowledge. We're going to have Steve Baker back pretty soon as well to catch up on more. He's working behind the scenes to break up the narrative on January 6th. So we will bring it, and we are a friendly outlet for people who care about the truth. We don't care about whose feelings we hurt. We don't care if we hurt Jim Jordan's feelings. Tough bananas, man. You could have given us a phone call. You could have called me at any time, but Jim Jordan's people never reached out to me and said anything. And so if I choose to dump all my frustrations on behalf of my friends, that's what I'm going to use my platform for. Folks, no one for speaker. Make a trend. No one, the number four speaker. Hashtag no one for speaker. Let's uh, let's just see how little you need your federal government. If you want to be a conservative, that's what it is you are saying, that you're going to be relying on yourself, and you can do that. We appreciate you here at the Kyle Serafin Show. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow with another episode at 0830. Central Time. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.